0: Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast. The
1: Yeah. Where we discuss everything you need to know and perhaps some things you don't about how to fail forward in Young Adult Ministry. These monthly podcasts discuss culture topics, interview guests,
2: cover books, and rift on anything else that we feel like is relevant.
0: Hello, my name is Kenny. I live in the Boise, Idaho area where I'm the volunteer director with my local
1: church young adult ministry and i'm chris in cincinnati ohio i'm on staff with the university christian fellowship as a church engagement catalyst and the national coordinator for campus mission which is an outreach of the church of the nazarene to college and university students
2: and i'm jeremy in nashville tennessee where i serve as the university pastor and community engagement pastor at Tribeca community church and, and here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, welcome to the AMCast. And AM cast. Um, life, life updates, ministry updates. Uh, for me, we uh, the three of us completed a Tough Mutter 5K. About a yeah, week we a did. Back at the time of recording. And still are working off some of the, the bruises and scrapes. Um, and we have headbands, as as Kenny's got uh, there from it, which was which was a fun experience. If you want to hear more about that, we have a standalone episode talking all things tough mutter and the highs, lows, and uh, spiritual metaphors that we took out of that. So that was so a lot of fun. I really I really enjoyed that. Now, kind of jumping in, getting ready for the start of the school year here on campus, we have. Um, uh, students that are start showing up in the next few weeks so we're planning in welcome activities those kind of things and doing that and simultaneously on a personal note getting ready for baby number three in the height tribe to be born uh, at sometime in the second half of September and unless the baby makes an early entrance like some of our kids have um, previously so kind of like trying to get everything lined up to go and then also have backup plans lined up to uh, for like our small group, have back like we have a rotation, uh, one so that uh, the college students hear from more people than just me. But then also that there's somebody to lead the Bible study on whatever Sunday night that I'm not around to to do that. Which one of the things I'm excited about doing this upcoming year. Um, uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead on this, but um, is you that go where you need to, Jeremy. <laughs> we're all friends we're doing- here. You're right. Yeah, we're we're doing. Um, we are moving our small group from like a, a week night with uh, during the before time, so we would have like appetizers or something. And we're doing a Sunday night dinner and Bible study. So we'll have dinner every single week and uh, make the most of gathering around tables and eating together. And then. Going through the Sermon on the Mount, so I'm excited to be doing a weekly meal together, and I've invited in some other uh, voices of um, two good friends friends of mine, um, Grace and another lady named Laura, who are a little bit younger than me, and uh, but are both in ministry in different ways, and so to bring in some different voices and to help connect the college students with more people within our church which is one of the biggest things that I've seen this last year pandemic being super weird but realizing that one of the areas that I had for the most growth was to help connect our students to more people than just Jeremy and Ritu Height. as as meaningful and as much as we enjoy doing that that having them connected into more of the life of the church uh, so that they can go deeper that they have Uh, more relationships, friendships, mentoring uh, connections as well. And so trying to find unique ways to incorporate more people from throughout the church into the life of what we're doing in college ministry. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what I've got uh, going on. I was up till about midnight last night ordering a bunch of stuff off of Sam's Club and getting ready for uh, stuff that we're going to be handing out to college students here and
0: two weeks, and one day. Yeah, so that's that's my update. So, Jeremy, you did a life update and a ministry update at the same time, right? Did I, did I get that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, um, man, it was so good to be with you guys. And now, it had it, been a really long time since I'd seen either one of you in person because of life and schedule and living in completely different states and um, pandemic. So- just to see you guys pre dawn at the tough mutter and to like touch you was it was i don't even know the word it was euphoric I, that that would probably be it i was beside myself with with just glee um i've been traveling for the last week i mean i came out to do the tough mutter and then work stuff with with Shepard, and uh man i i got to hang out with some awesome people on that road trip and In Indianapolis, in Valparaiso, shout out to Morgan and the Whites at at Valparaiso Nas. Jeff Stark in Chicago. Dude, I was listening to Lincoln Park, driving into Chicago, and then didn't even know I was in Lincoln Park, parked in Lincoln Park, (laughs) and Jeff Stark walked me through the Lincoln Park neighborhood and other subsequent neighborhoods around there for lunch and then then coffee. It was awesome, Um, and... Then um, hung out with my family in Fort Wayne. And then the, uh, the pastor and youth pastor in Middletown, Indiana, on the NEI district, um, Dylan and Kirsten. We met at Panera and Anderson. Man, those folks are legit. And we're going to be doing stuff together. They're actually doing that retreat with Ben, um, uh, with Ben Straight. Um, actually, they're doing a retreat, and Ben's bringing people on the retreat. That's what I, that's what I found out, which is really, really cool. And I just learned so much and had an awesome time at Shepherd with Alan and all the fellows and everything, but then got to be home with my family um, this last, when did I get back on on Friday? So Saturday, Sunday, and now today's Monday. So I have this just epic road trip. Um, glad to be home, getting back on normal eating schedules and sleeping schedules. Um, local ministry, great to see my wife and my kids, got to go into, you know, back to college soon and my 15-year-old, almost 16, next month, he's got his full-on driver's license now. Drove himself in his car to practice, first solo drive, like, you know, completely licensed this morning. He's there right now. It's like another milestone reached. Um, local ministry-wise, super excited and inspired right now. I hosted uh, our little 25-minute, 30-minute connect yesterday morning during worship or between worship and another family had provided the goodies the snacks um and they provided Krispy Kreme donuts I I don't typically get donuts just just because I want to eat them but also just just from a health standpoint tastes great not so great for you but everybody loves donuts here let me tell you a problem I found in local ministry when it comes to providing food in the lobby with a sign for young adults that you're that you're, um, moderating. Everyone becomes Everybody a young adult. Want, what's that? Everyone becomes a young adult. Well, you know, it's mostly the senior adults. It's really mostly the senior <laughs> adults that are a problem. Like when I was in youth ministry, people would be like, Hey, there's a stain on the carpet. Uh, was the youth ministry using the fellowship hall? And I'd go, have you checked with the senior adults yet? Why is you first stopped the youth ministry? That was, that was kind of my snarkiness with that. But I had, multiple senior adults stop by and they just, they don't ask. They don't even look at you. They don't make eye contact. They just go in for the, you know, half sliced donut. And, and, and I go, whoa, whoa, these are for young adults. And they're like, whoa, like why are you coming at me in my church lobby kind of thing? And I'm like, but you can, you can have one, but you need to answer a question. And they look at me like. stay
1: and talk to a young adult.
0: Well, Okay. But they 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 look at me like I don't I don't know what you're selling, I don't know if the donuts worth it. That's kind of how they look at you, and I say, here's a question: How many young adults are you? And they look at me, and I go, I'm like two young adults and change, and they're like, oh, uh, three donut gone. You know, <laughs> they're just they're just out. But I and then I take donuts around to people that are serving in the coffee bar, whether they're teenagers or older. Um, Yeah, I I don't just get militant about young adults having it, but I want them to know these, these are provided for young adults. This is a space for young adults. You can connect young adults here. And when young adults hear that, they know like, hey, you carved this out for us. And you're being funny about it and you're making allowances, but we know that we can come in. And man, I had great update conversations with young adults that I've known for a long time. Some of them since they were elementary age. Um, but they were just kind of coming by and talking, changing jobs, back from fishing trips, back from vacations, you know, doing different things. I found out about a couple of brothers that used to be in the youth group. Their dad runs sound at our church. I haven't seen him for a while. I've tried to reach out to him. These dudes are killing it, man, in in the tech industry locally here in Boise, but they've bought a house together, moved into it as as brothers here in Nampa, and um, they're connecting with church online, but not really in person. So I'm going to reach out to them and just go hang out with them and see what's going on because they live in my town, you know? So it's just stuff like that. That that 25-minute little connection on Sunday morning allowed me to have these little micro conversations that I can continue through the week. Um, the thing I'm really excited about in local young adult ministry this week, though, um, is next Saturday. Richard the Mule is going to be in the Boise foothills serving up the uh, nitro cold brew. So uh, I am trying to set a a rendezvous and hike time to go achieve the the trailside service from Richard and and his owner Matt Bishop. Um, super, super excited that I was going to be here this weekend for that. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing with local young adult ministry. One other thing I'm going to be trying over this fall, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, but I want to have grandparent aged people that are hosting a meal for young adults, um, and just try it once a month and then see what kind of relationships kind of foster out of that and try it in different pockets of the community where it'll be accessible for young adults that are going to different schools and, and relationships and stuff. So I'm just kind of on the front end of that idea. Um, but want to, f- want to flesh it out. So with that, I hand it over to you, Reverend Bean.
1: Yeah. Let's see me personal update. Um, yeah, doing good. Still figuring out what, um, you know, life looks like with a recent high school grad who will continue to live at home and is not going to college this fall and just gonna work and stuff like that. So it's uh and you know, her friends had a sleepover again last night. And um it's just a it's a weird phase of life um for us with her, but it's kind of fun. Things are going good. Um my son is hating the thought of going back to school. He'll be a fifth grader. Um and then my oldest is doing great. She just moved out of the ghetto, um, meaning Clifton, Clifton, the area around UC's campus, University of Cincinnati, it is there's some rough spots there. Um, she just moved out of that area uh, to a beautiful new apartment, and uh, and so she's she's living high on the hog now somehow. Um, but yeah, just navigating life with you know kids in those stages of life. Um, all spread out i feel like i've got a kid almost in like jeremy's you know i guess joe josiah is a little older than um than your oldest but and then i've got some kind of like kenny's i have kids in three different demographics it feels like um but life is going well pretty good we just went to a reds game and they absolutely trounced the pirates um 10 zip in that game so the hey. reds the reds are having a good Uh, streak right now um they haven't been able to sustain a good streak you know in many many years um so we'll see we'll see how it goes but it's kind of fun Cincinnati's getting excited about about that a little bit um I need the Olympics I I did need the Olympics to be over last night because I need to get my life back Uh, (laughs) so it has been so fun one of the the girls uh jt jordan thompson on the women's volleyball team is actually a uc grad and was a part of our coffee house campus ministry stuff while she was here so it's been cool to watch her she did get hurt so she hasn't played the last two or three games but hey she's still got a gold medal nice. uh, she was like the leading scorer in the whole tournament for the first two games i think she was doing great and then turned her ankle um but that was fun Um ministry stuff has been, you know, interesting to gear up for what feels like, you know, Jeremy talking about a fall semester and kind of launching, you know, a school year, so to speak, in this new role with InterVarsity, I'm not necessarily as focused on a local campus as I have been so it is kind of weird for the fall to be coming and it's weird and great that I'm not about to kill myself you know, with the hours that you put in on campus during welcome week and that season of, of ministry, I'm kind of glad to be in this new stage of campus ministry where it's a little more equipping, uh, of churches and leaders and less of being in the trenches, you know, myself. So that's, that's good, but it's also kind of weird. Um, (laughs) and I'm still, I still try to figure out how do I maintain sort of some of the trench work of campus ministry, you know, like one day a week um, in Cincinnati or something like that. So still trying to figure that out, but um, yeah, good things are going on. I just spent part of this past Saturday with an NY convention, a bunch of Nazarene youth ministry types. And uh, we had a good couple of conversations about how to launch a young adult ministry, how to launch uh, college ministry, a ministry to a nearby campus. Um, So it's always fun to make some connections and feel like, hey, there's potential, you know, there's some churches that say they want to, you know, kind of be more engaged with the campus in their neighborhood. Um, And this was Southwest Indiana, and there's, you know, Bloomington IU is in there, we've got kind of a cohort of four Nazarene churches that are trying to combine efforts to create some things for IU students, which is cool. Sweet. Uh, down around Evansville and Vincennes you've got a couple of universities in that area Terre Haute you've got Rose Holman kind of like the MIT of Indiana um, as well as I think Indiana State University is is there in Terre Haute so anyway it's it's cool to kind of just learn the lay of the land to you know visit um, for me Indiana Ohio Kentucky that area those are the the closest like campus church pairings that I'm trying to kind of work on and figure out some potential opportunities to reach campuses and launch some new ministries. So it was fun to take another step in that direction with a couple more churches and leaders. Um, so yeah, good times. I hope for you know a few more of those kind of conversations. I'm also trying to partner with uh, the local, the National Network of Youth Ministry in Cincinnati to try to um, make sure that local... Youth ministries around Cincinnati who are sending students to the University of Cincinnati that um, we can kind of resource those youth ministries to really help those students jump right into some ministry communities on campus and not you know lose the momentum, all the investment that's been put in those students. So that's another pilot kind of initiative we're trying to figure out with InterVarsity: how do we create resources for national network of youth ministries in certain cities to. create some really good transition um, strategies um, to really keep see students that are coming right from youth ministry into a campus setting to see the the continuation of their discipleship journeys and stuff like that so lots of cool things happening here good times sweet
0: so for Culture Corner this time, uh, I've got three options. I'm going to listen to the show notes. People can choose to read them if they would like. They're, three, uh, they're all about young adults, but very different topics. The first one is an article by uh, Reuters about Indiana University students urged Supreme Court to block vaccine mandate. That sounds like fun. Um, the, two, <laughs> the other two that I have are Summer Job Market for College Students um, that was a Morning Brew story that I picked up. And I think I got into Morning Brew because of Jeremy. That's your fault. Um, and then Reasons. And then the other one was Reasons You Need Next Gen on Your Team. And that was a Carrie Newoff story that I picked up on. Um, so I'll, those are in the show notes. Check out those articles if you're interested in one of those to read a little bit more. But we're going to get into the book discussion on... Um, Jeremy, you always do the book introduction way better than i do so just go ahead please chris is already pointing at it chris hold it up for visual demonstration and jeremy do your thing not <laughs> our conversation
2: in these uh, podcast episodes is centered currently on the book not done yet by beth severson and we've been talking through several of these chapters both in these episodes and in spin spinoff episodes with friends of ours from across USA and Canada, and uh, you can check those out in, in our uh, podcast feeds on whatever is your favorite and preferred podcast platform.
0: And As long as it's conversation- one of the ones that we publish too, which is like eight to 10 different ones. And if you're not on that, then I, can't, I don't know what to tell you, but we'll send you a link. <laughs> if you're not on one of those, you're probably not listening to this. You're probably not and on the, the internet. Way-
2: Uh, so the two chapters that we're talking about today are chapters five and six chapter five entitled changing Subtitle: Creating an Invitational Culture, and then Chapter Six, which is including the super glue for emerging adults.
0: I like that super glue. Super glue is great,
2: and they're both well, they're both really good chapters. I mean, this is a good book. I've enjoyed it as we've uh, read it in the past, and as we're reworking through it for the purpose of this uh, podcast. Um, that there's some good stuff in it, but I think whether or not I agree with everything in these two chapters, there's some really good points of conversation that Severson brings up uh, when looking at ministry with emerging young adults and how churches can engage with them in their community. And I appreciate the focus on young adults that are outside of church culture, church bubble, that kind of stuff. But why don't we start with chapter five, uh, creating an invitational culture. What stood out to you guys from this chapter and the content that Severson shares in it.
1: Yeah, for me, um, I had some flashbacks, you know, being an older dude, you know, in ministry for quite a while, I had some like seeker sensitive, you know, flashbacks. Um, And she just kind of she mentions this is not necessarily that it's not just trying to be seeker sensitive. um, But to really figure out if you're if your church is young adult and un, especially unchurched, young adult friendly. Um, I really thought this could be interesting since I'm no longer part of like church staff meetings anymore. Jeremy, you're, you're probably the one amongst the three of us that still, you know, has that kind of voice at a table weekly, so to speak. Um, I just thought it, it would be interesting to have a church staff really think through some of these questions, like how are we, you know, how... How much do we violate, like this this idea of Christian speak? You know, if if you if you were to go back and and re-listen to a Sunday worship gathering kind of thing, how many times did we use language, you know, that maybe was confusing for someone unchurched or whatever? Um, So I do think she makes um, a lot of great points here. Um, One of the things I highlighted was that on page sixty four, this process called co-communicating. Focuses yeah. on cultivating an inclusive church culture that presents faith as comprehensible and welcoming, um, and I think it's that that co communicating. Um, basically, there's a way to, to do this. In you know, I I hear some people complain sometimes. Well, if we if we water everything down, or if we make it so um, understandable, you know, that someone who doesn't have any familiarity you know people can critique the idea that we have to you know water things down which is the wrong interpretation of what we're trying to do here i don't think we're trying to water down we're trying to use language that's more it is more welcoming it is more um understandable for the average unchurched person but i like that idea of trying figuring out how to co-communicate
2: yeah i think that's as you said like it's a um finding the balance between the two is important because you don't just want to confuse people unnecessarily uh, but how do you be strategic in that co-communicating or there's a there's a term that she pulls from in the book that she calls a um, two degree vectoring hmm. which is where if if on a compass um, true north is those that are in your church congregation that also taking some energy to moving just two degrees off of true north and having some of the communication and uh, interpretation during the services uh, be intentional for those who are not super church which i think is is really really important to connect with those who people from varying degrees and backgrounds of of church culture i think it gets to at the center of it though is the question of who is the church gathering for you think about uh, is it is it to be evangelistic and it, and if so uh, that you're inviting people to come and hear the good news of of jesus uh from the stage that you want yeah you want to make sure that stuff is clear and is not weighed down by a bunch of uh insider language um but then i think about like uh, the underground in tampa bay which is a spin spinoff um their their microchurch network, where they're, at, at least to my understanding of their Sunday gathering, is it's not insider, but it's it's specifically tailored to invest in the lives of the leaders of the churches, and so it's not specifically insider as much as it is like equipping, um, and uh, hearing about them kind of reminds me of like what you hear about from the early church. You can read about it in the patient ferment of the early church, where it was like, there was a certain part of the church gathering that was only for uh, the baptized and those who had um, spent several years be developing the habits and practices of Christianity, and then were invited into the fullness of uh, the the Christian gathering. You could come to like the beginning of it, but then had to leave kind of thing. Not advocating going back to that wholeheartedly, but um, those kind of things revolving around the question like, who's the gathering for? Is it is it for uh, the people who are already Christians or those who are outside the church. And if it's for those who are already Christians, is it just to like, be a good inspirational message about personal piety? Or is it about, Hey, how do we bring together um, uh, personal holiness and uh, social engagement as well? Um, I think there was a guy named Wesley that talked about that some, <laughs> but um, how do we, how do you balance those things uh, and I think the balance is probably local church-specific in some way in terms of uh, where, it, where it comes out based off of what the intent is of the gathering at that specific local church.
0: Yeah, there were a couple things that uh, I really started leaning into with this chapter. And, and one, you know, assuming is usually a bad thing. Um, <clears throat> There's all kinds of different sayings about assuming and what it makes out of me and you Easy,
1: um,
0: now I think I think that um, if I make the assumption that God's already work in present that's a safe assumption to make like that's a good place to live it brings good things for, for from me and for me and for others and um, I think assuming that young adults are already present in the in in the chapter she talks about that there's unchurched young adults are already present. I just want there to be young adults present. Like I I read a chapter like this when I apply it to my scenario and just go, okay, we're just working on young adults being present. And a lot of different churches, local churches that I talk to, they're just trying to figure out like how to be and do with young adults and and are there young adults around? Not are they churched or unchurched? Right. So I apply it to my situation and go, okay. I want to assume that there's God's already at work and that um, young adults are already present. And if they are, then what am I doing about that? Guys, I came to a realization this week in local young adult ministry. I am not a volunteer um, young adult ministry director. I'm a volunteer young adult. I'm a a local young adult um, network director. Because people keep asking me what type of ministry we have for young adults at our church. We don't really have one. What we do have is a network. And so we network younger young adults together. And we network older young adults together. And then I'm secretly working to network older adults to these younger and older young adults together. And so there's the ministry aspects are already happening and are places that people can kind of plug and play if they want to. But my role as a volunteer is not producing and creating ministry opportunities because they're already there. Mine is is brokering relationship and and connecting them to um, the ministry that's that's present. So I'm not creating ministry opportunities. I'm creating relational um, possibilities. It's what I've because I've, I've really felt I really feel inadequate and and unproductive um, as as a is a ministry director um because i'm not producing anything i'm and i'm and i'm not a i'm not an activity director either i'm not hosting anything um what works for our context is networking people together and in the midst of that there are christians that are meeting uncrit or, or you know unchurched un that aren't following christ they're not Necessarily on anything, they're just not in a relationship with Christ
1: yet. I thought so, it was. A- oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to cap it off with just saying. So what I what I try to do as assume young adults are already there. Assume young adults want to connect together. Connect the ones that want to connect together, and then create the possibility of opportunities of connecting out in the community. Because I think that that's where the Christ following is going to intersect with those that may not be following Christ, and then the Spirit is going to do the work and lead in the ways that are. That, that need to happen now there needs to be coaching there needs to at the end of the chapter they talk about the rewind and you know basically like coaching the callers the people that call to relationship i just i tend to think that that's more often going to happen in the context of a relationship than it's going to happen because an unchurched person hears that in sitting in a church ministry service opportunity i i want to assume that the that the former is going to be more frequent than the latter there's probably going to be more opportunities for a nurse that's working out in the community to share her faith in a conversation the way that she lives out in the community than there is if she invites that friend to church and maybe hears it like one time or twice and then they you know there's a miraculous conversion and everything that happens i just think it's less frequent than if we're coaching and calling people to live out their faith so that they're sharing so that 2 degree factor what was that i really like that phrase i was going to share that I was like jeremy stole i was going to do the you said mine small group thing yeah the two degree vectoring for me is assuming that they're identifying them connecting them with other young adults and adults in the church and then creating creating um connection in the community what were you going to say
1: chris um so in the workshop i was leading this past saturday it was interesting to have a pastor a young pastor talk about hey we've got some young adults who are part of our church they're actually coming and we're not sure why um and then because in his mind they don't have a young adult ministry like a program um but then in later in sharing a story he said well yeah we played disc golf together um And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's brilliant. Okay, you're hanging out with young adults, you're approachable, you're available to young adults. That's why young adults are, are coming to your church, I think. Um, And so just because you don't have a young adult program, um, you know, air quotes, then Anyway, one of my big the things, you know, we've talked about this a lot. My big emphasis for that workshop, because I only had a short amount of time, was, hey, be sure you're doing uh, ministry with young adults and not two or just for young adults. And that just continues to come up almost every time I talk about young adult ministry now, I think is is that. And so I think, you know, for me, that hammered home this idea of the, the relational piece of building uh, relationships, being available, and then... I think that that two degree thing, honestly, that's a little confusing to me because I'm not sure what that, I'm not sure what that means or how you dial, you know, what does two degree vectoring mean in terms whatever
0: of whatever like, I want it to mean. That's what I just did.
1: <laughs> if true north is this service, the worship, the liturgy, everything we do, if it's, if it's calibrated perfectly true north for the Christian, then yeah, let's dial, let's crank that over a notch. I love the story she tells about the pastor who talks about what the Bible is, um, because I think a lot of young adults, if you just asked them what the Bible is, they would say, well, I think it's a rule book for Christians saying what they can and can't do, or this, you know, they might have that kind of perception of what the Bible is. And to be able to say, actually, the Bible is this collection of, of stories of God's people over, you know, two, 3,000 years, well, 2,000 years, whatever it is, you know, basically telling the story, what the Bible is, um, you know, just reframing that a little bit so that somebody's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, if there was a a book that was a collection of people's spiritual journeys and their attempts to connect with God and whatever, that's actually a book I'd be interested in reading and learning, so I think it's, to me, that's the two-degree vectoring, that's like saying, okay, let's turn in God's word to, you know, this and this, instead of saying, you know, we've got this this collection of writings god's given us you know is that two degree vectoring am i
0: well if i was gonna assign a true north it would have to be jesus and then if i was gonna two degree vectoring with the relationship then it's gonna have to be others so love god with all you are and your neighbors yourself right so to me the, tr- the church and ministry and um leaders in a church that's not true north Get, we can get so off there it's a part of it but pointing to jesus is not exclusive to a, a church setting it's just not
1: maybe that's why i d- i didn't care for the two degree vectoring phrase because or the i it maybe if you read the other person's book and spelled it out whatever but it to me it, like even our interpretations of what that two degree vectoring is talking about is so subjective that i i think it it was hard to know like how to apply that or what what's that actually yeah. saying <clears throat> But yeah, you know with me? your interpretation, I mean I totally agree with what you
0: well, I, I reinterpret it. Yeah. That's what I do. I I I I I I don't innovate, I renovate. I mean like here's somebody how, else gave me
1: here's how I would wrap up this whole chapter is that it's if you've got a church that that you're you're reluctant to invite any of your friends to church because you you don't necessarily feel like it's really welcoming to unchurched people, like that's a problem. And so I guess if you're reluctant, you know, as not even just as a young adult, as a person in, a, in the church, if you're reluctant to, to invite unchurched friends because you're just not sure they would get it or whatever, like then culturally there, there's, you know, something might need to change there. But again, that is based on seeing the Sunday morning gathering as the primary evangelistic front door. You know, and that's not always the case. Sometimes I think group life, as we get into the next chapter, actually um, group life can be a front door for a lot of uh, young adults or just people.
2: Jeremy, chapter five well. segue. I think one of the keys to young adult ministry, as I've experienced it over the last couple of years, is trying to remove as many obstacles and provide as many opportunities as possible for young adults to have a thriving relationship with others and with jesus christ and so a part of that is how do we make sure that our gatherings together um remove obstacles and provide opportunities not that we're but making in the every... tough
1: mudder the obstacles were the best part what are you <laughs> talking about <laughs> to... but they're also
0: sorry. an opportunity to bond exactly. together yeah. and, and yeah part of it yeah you think
1: you think
2: about it
0: actually th-
2: that's actually a really really good point honestly if if you think about like sometimes you know like um the, there was the, I think it was called the Berlin wall. It was like 10 feet. You need it like by myself. I was not going to get over it. It was an obstacle together. It was an opportunity for us to work together. And there's a lot of things within the, within the culture of church that is, if we're journeying with people in it, it can be opportunities. If we just say, Hey, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, our, you know, our Sunday school classes, uh, are this, this, and this. And, like, not providing any ways for people to get connected to small group life, all those things, then it's obstacles. Um, but, in trying to, like, in chapter five, talking about how do we make sure that our gatherings are invitational in what we say and how we explain, then the other part of it is providing opportunities. I think one of the biggest points from chapter six, entitled Including the Super Glue, uh, subtitled The Super Glue for Emerging Adults is the idea of that for these bright spot churches that, um, uh, that she's pointing out in the book, they're ones that quickly have newcomers uh, connected into community and that are like volunteering or getting engaged in some way. And for me, this hits home uh, really big because I was having a conversation with our volunteer director for hospitality just this, um, uh, yesterday, this past Sunday, about how with the coming of the school year, what are different ways, not to just make use of extra hands, but how can we uh, meaningfully connect young adults and college students into what's going on in our church as a sticking place, a place to build community, to get to know others and to invite them to turn around in a low risk way to be able to contribute to what's going on in the church. And in doing so, yeah. bringing about community, which Beth points out that community is a powerful agent for social transformation. And so how do we get young adults, uh, how do we create opportunities for young adults to get engaged as quickly as possible to build that community and to be a part of the mutually transforming nature of friendship and Christian fellowship?
0: There's two parts of this chapter that are my takeaways one is the mentoring communities i'm just looking how to contextualize that for my local ministry environment i don't think i think there's so many different modes to mentoring and sometimes if you call it mentoring you ruin it you just just do it you just set it up you just broker the friendships and relationships um and uh sneaky i know he was so sneaky he's he like did an army crawl and like <laughs> <laughs> He's doing his, his workout, his college cross-country workout prep. Um, mentoring. So the mentoring communities piece, like what does mentoring look like in your setting? I, I, having um, grandparent age adults that host a meal for young adults, I'm not going to call that mentoring, but that's what I'm angling at. I think as soon as I assign if somebody comes and says, I'm really looking for a mentor. Like, let's have that conversation of how to set that up for success, but I don't get that very often. And so if I try to create a mentoring program, it can really just end up being a lot of work trying to fabricate authentic relationship when what you really needed to do is just get people in proximity to each other and let the spirit kind of lead the conversation, let people be people. Um, And then the other one in here um, that I was realizing, you know, in the last chapter, I talked about how I don't think, uh, last chapter conversation, I don't think that I'm a ministry director. I think I'm a network broker, a network coordinator. And that being the super glue it's because of chapters like this and conversations about relationships, I started thinking about what what would be the point of me having a small group um, for my context or a Bible study or like starting something like that. We already have those things. People aren't asking for that, but why would the the impulse default for me be? I want to start that. Well, because I want young adults to be in community together. And I want them to do things outside of church together. So why would I create a church activity? Because I want them to live, do life together outside of the church context. Maybe, and maybe that's the way to start it. Maybe that makes sense for your context or someone else's. But for mine, I just skip the middle, man. I just skip the program in the middle and I go, well, let's just connect with people relationally out doing disc golf. That's one of the things I do too, or volleyball, Jeremy. In our last Yamcast, you guys made a connection relationally between somebody that Chris knows and I think is related to and a place of volleyball that you drive by all the time in Nashville. So I I wonder sometimes if we're like defaulting to creating programmatic ministry scenarios because what we're looking for is a relationship, but what we really need to do is just like connect with people in relationship out and about in the community. And I think that they will naturally gravitate toward, well, not naturally. They will feel welcome towards the Christ-centered worship community that I so dearly need. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of being church together formally. I need that. I want that. I desired. I, I so enjoyed it yesterday morning. Um, but I really just need to be following Jesus with other people the rest of the week. So I don't want to create programs that somehow diffuse that. I, I just want to get to that. So to me, that's the super glue. Is if if we can find whatever is going to connect in relationship, and if it's a Bible study, great. But if it's if it's out, um, you know, serving or tough mutter or coffee, like let's let's go do that. You know, maybe it's visiting somebody at work. There's a young adult keeps bothering me because I haven't shown up to his work yet. I keep telling him I'm going to. He's like, When are you going to show up at work? I'm like, I'm I'm working on it, dude.
2: <laughs> and I think that's an important part of any type of ministry, right? Of contextually reading uh, what's going on in your local church and in your local community of what's actually needed uh, in terms of discipleship or service or uh, worship gatherings kind of thing. Cause depending on what's already going on, there's different needs and different holes that we can fit into. But I think that, that pivot in terminology that you have been referencing Kenny of going from like event, like thinking in terms of like events coordinator or like volunteer ministry leader to being that connector and networker even just the change in terminology like that sets a different bar of expectation not necessarily higher or lower uh, but like yeah if it's just okay how many are coming to a sunday school class um, because that's our ministry outreach like that's a different level of expectation than saying how can we deepen their the network to where they're involved in stuff in our city and some of that being in our church and like overlap, like that's messier and harder to define. But like, if that's what the goal is, that's a that's a slightly different goal than just numbers at a Sunday school class, discipleship gathering thing.
1: I think, you know, creating compelling Christian community. Um, I mean, that is you know, I think there's a big difference between a group that gathers on Sunday mornings because they're, yeah, this is designed for young adults. It's like a Sunday school class, a group or something like that. There's a difference between that and uh, what I would call compelling Christianity and kind of what she's getting at in this chapter. Um, The kind of community that you want to be a part of because it meets some social needs, it's positive, it's encouraging, it's but it also meets spiritual needs. It's nudging you to grow closer to Christ. Um, And then also it integrates you with the the whole life of the church um, in a way that's not just creating, you know, a a siloed, isolated age group kind of experience. Um, To me, those were all sort of critical pieces of this compelling Christian community idea. I mean, the trick is, is like, how do you do that? How do, you, how do you create compelling Christian community you know, that young adults can be part of and that it helps them really become integrated into the life of the church in the long, in the long run. Um, and I do think that the eating together, the shared you know, affinity group kind of disc golf kinds of things, uh, the mentoring, I mean, I, I was just visiting Anderson, Indiana a couple of Sundays ago actually the Tough Mudder Sunday, that Sunday I went to that church, and uh, I was just reminded at how this grandpa kind of guy, it was the pianist dad, and now his granddaughter is the worship leader at Anderson First, um, Amber, and um, I was just reminded at how that one year of college, I had this adopted grandpa, he taught me how to fly fish, Um, I don't remember a lot of spiritual conversations with him as we were fishing, but just... I mean, the connection I had with him, the connection I had with other people throughout the church, I mean, I just, I was integrated. Of course, I was coming out of a very church, you know, kind of background, whatever. But it, it just reminded me how there's like, it's like the sticky faith stuff. There's multiple relational connections that someone needs to have. To me, compelling Christian community ought to be something that it, it would make it very difficult for someone to walk away, you know, to leave it. That's what we're trying to do is create enough community, enough of that social capital, that someone really feels like they would lose a lot if they walked away from it, if they stopped coming, if they stopped being involved. That's kind of what we're trying to create, but it is tricky. I think the practical, like, okay, how do you how do you create that? Um, I mean, Jeremy, the things you I know you got to go. The things you're doing with you know board game nights and connecting and just opportunities to engage and have fun together, shared meal kind of things and all that. I mean, I think that is kind of the recipe. Uh, for it and i love kenny's ideas of of not so much trying to build a program but just continue to to put pieces together connect dots relationally um you know i think is a, is another key part of what we're trying to do
0: and that picture is going to look different those dots are going to when they connect it together they're going to look different in different seasons different relationships yeah and and in collaboration trumps consumerism so I'm trying to create things that people are going to want to be a part of and attracted to and they're compelling and you know, just that they, oh, I, I can't miss that. And it's just about like FOMO. Oh, we should have been here. Why weren't you here? We did something really fun. Just ask young adults, like, what do you think about this? And honestly, you know, give critical feedback. What would you like to do? What, what don't you want to do? How, how do we collaborate with them instead of just trying to do stuff? For them, and we all live in different tensions of responsibilities and things that we maybe need to produce. But I think th- the super glue is always relationships. So, what's what are the obstacles that stand in the way of relationship? And if I'm leading a program that everybody thinks is great, but it's actually standing in the way of authentic relationship, let's tweak that hmm. and let's ask young adults how to do that so that there's ownership in this season with them. Yeah, that's good. I don't want to stop talking with you guys, but it's probably time to outro. Jeremy, is that true?
2: It is, unfortunately.
0: Well, we're going to go tackle our own obstacles today, but we're doing it together in spirit.
1: And we're not done yet.
0: We are not Ooh. done. Not even close. Not even close. So until next time.
1: Hey, fail forward.
0: Be present. And be oh so teachable. Peace. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Talk to you later.
1: Later. Later.
0: Boom.